0: Welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Uh, Unlike other sports podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming you or, frankly, us know everything there is to know (laughs) about two point conversions or, you know, like quarterback sneaks. I couldn't even tell you what those are, but I know they have to do with football. Um, (laughs) Today, I am your host, Rebecca. Uh, At one point, I used to watch hockey. Right now, uh I, back I in know, the I'm olden watching. days. Yes, back in back in the before times when there <laughs> were sports, I watched them. And I'm joined with uh joined by Rachel.
1: Hello. I used to watch baseball. <laughs>
0: and Nancy.
1: Uh, I used to watch basketball back in the long, long ago. I will it's say a though long, long th- time ago. I think I said on our last uh on our last call that I was curious whether this would end up just feeling like the off season and I would start expecting sports to start up in like mid July. And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Just in like the last week or two, (laughs) I have started, you know, going, Oh, it'll be really nice when basketball starts up again. It's almost basketball season. No, (laughs) no. Well, I mean, it kind of almost is basketball season. Kinda. Again, right?
0: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but uh we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So uh <laughs> the the uh the hurdle that, that we have right now, the unspoken hurdle is this uh pandemic, which I'm not even sure I'd call it a global pandemic anymore. It really no. just seems like a uniquely American pandemic because yeah. we give fuck all about yeah. other people and uh aren't taking care of ourselves.
1: Yeah. Um, Yay, U.S. of A. Go, Merca.
2: <laughs> yeah. We're number one. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. we sure In the corona fuck, fuck are. COVID <laughs> cases, yes. <laughs>
0: um, so uh, the NHL uh, restarted. Now that's the hockey the, one, right? <laughs> yes, that's the hockey one, exactly. Okay, that's the, okay. It's been so long, how American American do we remember? It's coming back to me. One. Yeah, okay, yeah no, I appreciate that reminder. I gotta, I gotta remember these things myself. It's been so long. Um, so they started their phase two of reopening, which involved, um, groups of six or fewer players to practice at one time. And since June 8th, when they started, they've, is they've done 200 tests of
1: players. So it's the 21st. I 11... should say it's the 21st. So that's like yeah. what, like 13 yes, days point. ago. of June. 13 yeah. days. Yeah. Yes.
0: So in 13 days they've done 200 tests and 11 people have come back positive for COVID for the coronavirus which seems like a low number but when you consider there are probably about 900 players in the league. And um, this counts only 200 of them. It's still a huge number. I mean, it's five and a half percent. So the Tampa Bay Mm -hmm. Lightning have shut down their training facility. And I think the the Arizona Coyotes did as well. And so really, the only point I want to make here is that it feels like we're we're trying to start something up far too early and it's just going to cause people to get sick. And so, um, I, you know, that's all I have to say about the NHL. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the rest of this episode, we're going to talk about, um, some of the current events with respect to black lives matter and, um, uh, sports responses to those and, and athletes responses to protests and statements like that. And uh, I'm not going to give any more space to the NHL on that particular topic because they're just, you know, I'm not prepared to give accolades to white men for finally noticing that black people exist. So on that note, I'm going to say we just go ahead and um, move forward. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Rachel, do you want to do you want to talk to us about the, the Major League Baseball response to Black Lives Matter? Uh, sure. Um, so
2: MLB was the last of the major sports leagues to issue a statement on George Floyd's death um, after even NASCAR, which it's, it's a little <laughs> bar to clear. Um, so, yeah, all the teams, I think all the teams put out a statement. Um, Tampa Bay Rays had the uh, most strongly worded statement. Um, somebody said they went full Ben and Jerry's um Mm. pretty true (laughs) uh they and they uh offered a hundred thousand dollar donation um the a's did as well um to the oakland african chamber of commerce the oakland naacp and 100 black men of the bay area which is in capital letters so i assume it's an organization and not they're giving one thousand dollars to 100 black men of the bay area um so yeah the the statements from all 30 teams um Mostly that white text on back background to show just how serious they are. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I thought this was interesting. The Nationals managed to get in a mention of their 2019 World Series win uh, as in quotes a living example (laughs) of cultural diversity. No, Uh, no, which yeah, yeah, pretty cringy. Yeah, (laughs) wow. Um. Miami issued a statement from Derek Jeter, um, and it's nice that they're amplifying a black voice, but it also kind of feels like since he's in public all the time, he ends up kind of being their whipping boy. So I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that. Um, As far as, you know, baseball's response to to racism in general, um, I had just recently gotten into baseball when the um, Colin Kaepernick controversy happened. Um, But it was pretty apparent at the time that black MLB players didn't feel comfortable speaking up. Um, And I I looked it up and found an article that said on September 23rd, 2017, then Oakland A's catcher Bruce Maxwell became the first and to date the only player to kneel during the national anthem to protest police brutality. Almost three years later, he says that he's still on the receiving end of hatred, racial slurs and death threats, despite the fact that he currently plays in Mexican Baseball League. So that was pretty disheartening, um, Rachel. And, how, how,
1: yeah, African American or Black players are in the MLB anyway? Do we even know? I mean, I can think of like. Well, two. you uh,
2: just read my mind because uh, in 2019, I found out Black athletes made up only 7.7 percent of MLB athletes. Yeah, um, and I I would have guessed it was higher. Um, you know,
0: really?
2: I yeah.
1: I think I would have
2: too. Yeah. Um That's
1: but the highest it ever of, got. I think of baseball as entirely white. Oh,
2: I think really? of it as, as very um Hispanic and uh mm. and I think of a lot yeah. of like Caribbean nations. Um but it is, you know, it is more white than it's that you know, phenomenon where people in the majority think when a, a you know, a small percentage of um a group of people Mm -hmm. is made up of a minority, they think it's a larger percentage. Um, So that's, you know, that's my own bias speaking there. Um, The highest it ever got was 18.5% in 1975. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of black athletes in MLB don't feel like they can speak up without risking their careers.
0: And uh, interesting that the, the highest percent was basically immediately after or at the height of the civil rights movement.
2: Yeah. Um and you wonder kind of what has happened since then. Um <laughs> I mean, obviously oh. I know what's happened since then in a larger scale, but like on it specifically talking about baseball, if um like the the kind of training and, you know, equipment that you need now is has become more expensive and thus, you know, it, kicked out people that can't necessarily afford more than, you know, a bat and a glove.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'd imagine that's part of it.
0: <clears throat> so I want to, I want to circle back around real quick because you mentioned yeah. the donation to a hundred black men of the Bay area. So apparently 100 black men of America is in fact, an organization that was founded um, in the 1960s It now has more than 100 chapters of 100 Black men and 10,000 members uh, within it, and their founding mission is to improve the quality of life in African-American communities by improving the educational, economic, and social status of African-Americans across the nation.
2: Oh, nice. Thank you for doing my research
1: for me in real time. (laughs) Rebecca's great at that. Can we just call that out? Like, every time (laughs) that we're recording this... Rebecca is the one who, when one of us is like, huh, I wonder if whatever, blah, blah, blah. And Rebecca's like, I can answer that. <laughs> and immediately Googles like either Rachel or I could do. <laughs> so, But don't. I just, but don't. Right. So I just want to acknowledge Rebecca for that. That's <laughs> for that fine. Very I'm happy to be that person. Role. You are a delight. Oh, oh kitty. Okay.
0: Visit. We have a fourth, a fourth member right now. This is sassy. <laughs> Important member. Sorry, Rachel, yeah, please sassy. continue.
2: Um, I didn't have a whole lot more. Um, before Thursday's draft, last Thursday's draft, I should say, um, the uh, MLB commissioner, Manfred, actually said Black Lives Matter out loud, and he's the first after the NFL commissioner to do so. And uh, the heads of all 30 teams have promised donations of one form or another, but I, I haven't gone back and looked uh at details and see how many of them have fallen through followed through on it um and i just wrote here in my notes mlb has been relying on jackie robinson for a long ass time um and it's Mm. kind of time they they stepped up and stopped relying on history from decades ago And Um, just as a closing note, I wanted to say that nobody's yet said you can't spell MLB without BLM. And I think that's
0: a damn shame. (laughs) (laughs) That might need to be the title of this uh, episode. um, (laughs) You mentioned the, um, the commissioner of of the national football league NFL saying the words black lives matter. I just want to point out. um, So there was a video released by, um, NFL players featuring Odell Beckham Jr., Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, It was an incredible video um, asking for the National Football League to make the just bare minimum of (laughs) statements, things like Black Lives Matter. Um, Apparently, that video was created by the league's content team the league's like social media team in collaboration with the players but the league itself was not involved so interesting yeah so when that video went live the nfl you know uh, leaders proper did not know that was coming which kind of makes it all the more amazing and you know roger goodell actually spoke out and said the things that the players wanted him to say but I think that's another case where we have to be careful of giving him too much credit because he, he is the one who who you know led the the blackballing of Colin Kaepernick and has previously not stepped out about black players and black lives even though his leak depends on them. So anyway, important to note that he did say it cuz sometimes just saying the words black lives matter has apparently been a hardship for Many white people, especially those in power, but I just thought, yeah, and four that years that, ago, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, that it long was unthinkable
2: though. that he would have. Yeah. And it's like you say, it's the absolute bare minimum, but it's something.
0: Yeah, yeah. So sorry, I I didn't actually mean to get into uh, football today, but I couldn't let that one pass by.
2: No, it's. I mean, we do have to acknowledge it as a sport. <laughs>
0: Even it when some of sense. us are less interested. Mm-hmm. Although <laughs> although I don't know if you guys noticed, I did declare this now a Packers uh, fan pod.
2: Yes. Oh, yes! Uh, could you uh, remind me why you did that?
0: Uh, yes. <laughs> because the Packers were really the first um, the first I want to say the first team, not just the first football team, but my view could be skewed. They were at least the first out of football and hockey, which Mm -hmm. probably doesn't (laughs) say much, to actually, like, um, publish something about um, racial injustice, to say the words systemic racism, institutionalized racism. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, they are, uh, I want to say they're the only um, publicly owned football team in the country. Um,
1: and so that probably has has
0: a little bit to do with it, but, um, they've actually like stepped out ahead of many other teams, um, especially in the NFL about, um, doing things for the black community, recognizing, um, racial injustice, things like that. So we're going to go ahead and be a a Packers fan, (laughs) fan blog now.
1: I do have a cheese hat. you do have the cheese hat, that's right.
0: Perfect. All right, but let's, let's uh, refocus here. And, uh, you know, just because I'm the moderator today doesn't actually give me carte blanche to just talk about whatever I want.
1: <laughs> so, um, I mean, what Nancy. else is a
0: podcast for?
1: <laughs> well, it's a yes.
0: that's fair, but I don't want to talk over both of you. So, um, Nancy. Well, that's sweet of you. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no problem. <laughs> literally the least i can do. Um tell us about uh the the
1: WNBA. So there was a lot going on uh with the WNBA because um one of the things that that comes up early on with with leagues like uh, the WNBA, is that the players... So the WNBA season is in the summer because it doesn't want to directly compete with the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as per usual, the women get the short end of the stick and so they play fewer months than the men and they play it in the summer when people aren't watching as many sports anyway. And significantly course, fewer games. Significantly fewer games, yeah. I don't remember quite what a full season is, but it's like 30-some as opposed to I 82. I think it was
0: 36.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. Because they're proposing Um, the
0: new season be only 22 games?
1: 22. Yep, correct. Yeah. So, but the complication here is that, um, you know, not only are the women paid less just, you know, in amount per game, and not only do they play fewer games... um, you know, so they make just a shit ton less money than the men do, obviously. And they supplement this by going and playing in other countries during the fall and the winter and the spring, uh, commonly Mm -hmm. Australia and Europe and sometimes Asia, but I think mostly Australia and Europe. So one of the problems that the WNBA is running into is, you know, if they push their season back, um, which they've had to do, usually they start in May run through August and then do playoffs in like August, September. Um, If they push it back, then those other seasons are going to start up without them. And that compromises the rest of their income (laughs) because either, you know, especially for it's sort of a damned if you do damned, if you don't, if you, if your team does well and you're a good player, then you have to stay in the U S longer and keep playing in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But then you're not going to get selected for a European team or an Australian team because you won't be able to be there for the first part of the season, right? So this has been part of the challenge, and one of the reasons that it was a challenge is because originally the WNBA was saying they were going to pay prorated salaries. So, like, not only was it going to cut into their other income opportunities, but also they weren't even going to get their full WNBA money. So that was a crock of shit. So, um.
0: Can, I'm gonna jump yes. in here again too because I did that research thing I like to do. It's um, <laughs> amazing. I love the, it. The minimum NBA salary right now is eight hundred ninety-three thousand. Mm-hmm. The yes. minimum WNBA salary, which was only just raised in January, is now one hundred thirty thousand.
1: Right. Oh, that's better than I thought it was. I guess because it got raised.
0: <laughs> yeah, before that it was yeah. one sixteen. Was yeah. the well one sixteen was the average. And now the base is 130.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 It's uh, still kind of a crock of shit, but it's a Mm -hmm. slightly less steaming crock of shit than it was (laughs) a little bit ago. The crock is just a little bit smaller. (laughs) Slightly. It's got a slightly nicer finish on it, I guess. (laughs) A handle now. We've added a handle. Um, Digital timer, auto shut off. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> no, now we're getting fancy. Um, so they have now announced a plan for a shortened 2020 regular season. They've got the Women's National Basketball Players Association on board. They will pay 100% of the salaries and full benefits. Oh, good. And yeah, yeah. So that's a big concession. And it's a really important one. Um, the format calls for a 22 game regular season to be played in Florida starting in late July possibly like July 24th is they that Orlando as well I don't know Rachel okay. is Bradenton Florida Orlando
2: Uh no it's not it's central Florida but it's not
1: in Orlando Okay Um so they're going to the players will report to earlier in July for training camp they'll play 22 games and then the finals will end in October um so that the nice thing about this I think is that there is the potential for women's basketball to start airing before men's mm. um depending on how this all works out and obviously all of the dates are still kind of fuzzy Um, But this was the thing that we had kind of talked about previously, was that it sure would be nice if women's sports could come back before men's because everybody's so desperate for sports that we are all doing things like watching marble racing in cornhole. Um, (laughs) And if we could turn that energy to women's sports instead, that'd sure be terrific. Um, Yes. The other thing, uh, just to skip off the WNBA for a second, is that in fact, women's sports will be the first sport to come back. Women's National Women's Soccer League uh, will be starting back actually quite soon. Let me pull up the dates for that. Um, They are going to be doing their Challenge Cup, uh, which uh, is a 25-game tournament that will kick off on June 27th uh, in Utah, no fans. uh, And then following the preliminary rounds, the top eight eight teams will advance to the quarterfinals. Uh, at the end of July so basically a month of soccer of women's soccer is going to be played in Utah starting in like a couple days so I'm actually super stoked about that that's um, pretty cool I'm definitely it is pretty cool and I'm going to yeah. be watching some games and I suggest that you guys watch some games too and maybe we should have like a watch along and yes yeah that could be super <clears> fun love that so we should uh and, and it will be airing let's see um, on, looks like CBS All Access, which I actually have. So oh, me too. Terrific. Yeah. It's the Star Trek channel. It is the Star Trek <laughs> channel. Apparently now it's the Women's Soccer League channel too. Um, So I'm into it. I mean, it.
0: that sounds like a pretty good channel.
1: Yeah, right? I mean, what more do you want? So uh, we should all pick a team and, and root for them. But that's what I have to say on that. So Women's Sports is coming back sooner than Men's Sports Booyah. Um. They, the women, the WNBA is not getting quite as shafted as they might otherwise have gotten. So that's real good. I'm real happy about that. <laughs> and yeah, we're going to be able to watch some soccer. So that'll be exciting. I
0: feel like there's a discussion here to be had about why it's women's sports that are coming back sooner. I'm not quite sure oh, what it is. that's a good is. question.
1: I yeah. Mean,
0: it, probably some of it is because they are smaller leagues. Yeah. With
2: mm-hmm. fewer people.
0: Yeah, fewer people and less logistical concerns.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: or, no,
0: yeah. I think, less, big, less, um, I think that's a big. I think that's a big
1: piece of it, because the the I mean, there are only nine women's soccer teams, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to basketball. There's thirty. You know, they're talking about doing twenty-two mm-hmm. teams for the quote-unquote playoffs, um, mm-hmm. and the same with with baseball and hockey. I assume it's going to mm-hmm. be more like a twenty-twenty-two team deal um so yeah it's it's much easier to bring back nine teams uh than it is to bring back you know 22 Mm -hmm. um so that i mean honestly that'd be my best guess as to like why but i don't i don't know i don't know i feel like there should be because otherwise you'd think it all be the same they all need similar staff right they all Mm -hmm. need a place where they can play and all be in the same area and be relatively quarantined Mm -hmm. So the only thing I can think of is just sheer numbers.
0: Yeah, it's probably they don't need as big a venue for the games themselves, for Mm -hmm. the housing of the players and the team staff and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's some piece of me that that feels like we're we're sacrificing women first and that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate or not. It kind of feels that way, but I'm not sure. I wonder if location of the teams has anything to do with it. Like, I think the soccer teams tend to be more Western, um, and at least some of the Western states are doing a better job than some of the Eastern states. Uh, mm-hmm. But there there would have been no way to really predict that when they started talking about this, I wouldn't think. No. Yeah. So I don't know how big a role that can play. And apparently the other thing I was going to say about women's soccer is that um, they did have a... Um a th- I think it was a player. Yeah, a player from one of the nine clubs did test positive for COVID. Um and they're saying, you know, they're doing contact tracing. They're making sure that she's getting whatever health support she needs, but so far they are not making any changes to their plans. So,
0: yeah, that's what the NHL has said as well. No changes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right.
0: Yeah. So the the other thing that I wanted to mention about the and the WNBA, excuse me, was that um in DC the Wizards mm. um who are the NBA team and the Mystics who are the WNBA team led a um protest to commemorate Juneteenth. Um
1: which is amazing. Yes, yeah.
0: amazing. And and actually just in case anybody listening doesn't know what Juneteenth is, um I liked this this paragraph from Michelle Obama when she, she tweeted about it. Most of us were taught that slavery came to an end when President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, but as is so often the case, the full promise of this country was delayed for segments of the African American community, and for enslaved people in Galveston, Texas, freedom didn't come until June 19, 1865. So, Juneteenth is not just a celebration of the end of slavery, but it's the Um, celebration of when the last people who were enslaved learned that they were now free. Um, Right. uh, uh, I'll be honest, I did not know what Juneteenth was until, I want to say last year, um, Mm. which is, you know, kind of an indictment of our public schooling system, but anyway.
2: Yeah, yeah. private schooling too. I didn't learn about it until, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. Definitely wasn't taught in school.
1: I don't remember when I learned about it, but it was recent. It was in the last like mm, five years, probably Mm -hmm. maybe 10, but certainly Mm -hmm. not in school and not Mm -hmm. in college. And yeah, no, no, no.
0: So anyway, so the, the wizards and the mystics led this protest, um, which was kind of amazing. Um, It was led by Bradley Beal and Natasha cloud. Um, There were teammates, coaches, staff members, um a couple thousand people came to march um in support of Black lives matter um and and Juneteenth as this day of liberation and it was I mean in contrast to the Nationals bringing up their their um uh, <laughs> MLB series victory win? <laughs> yeah this felt like an actual moment of like unity and Giving people a voice and like a really good, um, really good indication of the culture of what DC sports can be.
1: Mm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're talking about protests, Mm -hmm. um, I want to also call out a Warriors play. Well, the Warriors generally, because they have been handling a lot of this uh, really well. Um, they've been publicly expressing a lot of support for the Black Lives Matter movement, for all the marches. M- many, if not all of their players have shown up in marches in Oakland, including the most famous ones, Steph Curry, Aisha Curry, Clay Thompson. Um, so they've been very publicly involved in all of this. So, uh, so the Warriors have been handling all of this really well. And interestingly, one of their players who is primarily a G leaguer, I think he has come up and played some games for the Warriors before, you know, all sports stopped. Um, Juan Toscano Anderson has been leading marches, uh, like multiple marches for the last several weeks in Oakland, big ones, well attended ones and Warriors players have been coming out to support him. And it's really remarkable because first of all, he's not black, he's Mexican American And second of all, uh, he's, you know, as far as, like, athletic stars go, he's a nobody. He's a G-leaguer. He's, like, 27, I think. He has been – he's played, I I think it said, 13 NBA games. So, like, generously we could call him a late bloomer, right? (laughs) Um, But he apparently – not only feels this is really important and he wants to be a voice for, of leadership in it, but he has the charisma and respect of everybody else enough that they have responded and turned out for him. And I've just thought that was so, so heartening to see. Um, I guess he's an Oakland native, which is cool um, and makes sense and makes sense that he'd want to be involved in this. Um, mm-hmm. And he has just gotten out and done the thing, and and to the Warriors' credit, the Warriors organization has thrown their full support behind him. So I've been really pleased. It's been one of those moments where it's like, okay, not only do I like you know the individual Warriors players, and not only do I like the Warriors coaches, but like the organization is actually, I think, you know, doing good doing stuff. some really good, yeah, doing some really good things here, uh, and and. You know, all of the individual players have done things, too. I mean, Stefan and Aisha Curry have been um, a huge part of the pandemic response um, in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah? They, yeah, they did a huge amount of uh, work with food for school kids who were not going to be getting fed because they weren't, you know, they were on free or reduced lunches and weren't going to be getting those at school. They donated a ton of meals for that. They raised a crap load of money. Um, I feel like I haven't heard as much about it recently because now all we've been talking about you know we've all decided yeah. the pandemic is over <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're bored well, with it what's the next thing we're bored let's, with it let's um, not
0: say we've all decided that <laughs> <laughs>
1: our our society has decided oh, that the God. pandemic is over uh, so i haven't been hearing as much about it but i'm sure they're still doing it because that's yeah. that's the kind of work that they do so that's that's my blurb good job Juan toscano anderson uh you know i don't i do knew your name before but now I'm actually gonna like know who you are and I'm real impressed Mm -hmm. with you so thanks for that Mm
0: -hmm. so Nancy what are your thoughts on this like um this divide (laughs) between the NBA players on whether they should play or not
1: I think it's so interesting um I don't think we should be doing any sports honestly um I think it's way too early I think it's gonna cause more problems um the only silver lining i see to doing the sports is that if if we open up and it's highly public and it still all falls apart that like maybe that will help convince some of the folks who have decided that the pandemic's over that actually the pandemic is not over (laughs) Uh, so what's what's the
2: current state of the nba reopening plan
1: Right. Good question. So I was trying. So the last I had really looked at this was a couple days ago and things keep changing day by day. Right. Um, Yeah. By the time this comes out, it will have changed again. But currently the idea is that they're going to take 22 teams. I think it's 22 teams uh, and go to Orlando to Disney World (laughs) and have a like have a reduced season and then some sort of post season that they're not calling the playoffs because it might not be exactly <laughs> like the play. and this is a whole thing like is it the playoffs right. or is it not the playoffs and do we care? Yes, we care because this is how we determine awards and like who it gets messy fast. Um but basically they are Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, commissioner chairman. He has a fancy title. Um <laughs> He has a really ambitious plan to really lock that shit down and to really, I mean, kind of create Biosphere 3, which is how you have to do it if you're gonna do it. Um, but they have released a 113 page health and safety manual, Jesus, uh, yes, that uh includes all of the requirements, they're gonna have access control points. Uh, everybody's going to have to wear bands that will provide access control as well as check-ins for testing. They have a very limited number of people they can bring with them in terms of staff, which has caused some problems, which I think is very funny uh, because it's things like you can bring two trainers, but of course lots of like high-end players have their own personal trainers and they don't have to work with the team's coach team's training (laughs) staff and like oh no what are we gonna do now yeah what i'm what i've saw
0: what i've seen was that they're allowed 35 members of the team mm -hmm. including 17 players on the roster so right so yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. so that really that really absolutely does restrict a lot of activity
1: it really does because you have the 17 players and then you immediately have like let's say three coaching staff right And so that leaves you, what, 15 staff members, and that has to be medical, that has to be equipment, that has to be uh, trainers, that has to be, you know, physical therapists that, you know, so it's pretty limited. And if I recall correctly, they specify, like, what the roles are, too. So you can't say, well, we're only going to bring one coach, and then we can bring, you know, these two guys, personal trainers as well. You can't do that. I don't think. I think you have to fill the exact specific roles, which is interesting. That's yeah. That um,
2: whole thing is really interesting, and I I agree with you that I, it's not time to open up yet. Um, but I I just wonder what that does to a pro league. You know, if everybody's yeah, working with the yeah. same three trainers, and you know, people right. don't have their personal right. So and so's anymore.
1: It's a real good question, isn't it? And Uh, yeah, not
0: just that, but like, what is it? What is it? You know, I know I've said this before. I'm fully, I'm fully pro not restarting sports right now because we don't actually have this thing contained.
1: But then at the same time, you think about the position of the pod, right? (laughs) Yes, (laughs)
0: but but then you think about like you know we've got these superstars who are making ten to fifty million dollars a year, whatever insane Mm -hmm. contracts people have but then the Mm -hmm. majority of the players are making a million dollars a year which Mm -hmm. let's Mm -hmm. be real most of us can live on significantly less it's still yeah it's still a million dollars a year but you know (laughs) there's a a standard of living and mortgages and alimony and rent that goes along with it but then also you think about the the kids who are coming up from high school and supposed to be starting in the league what Mm -hmm. what do they do now and you know, right. um, I was talking with Brittany about this. She made a good point that, like, you know, we're, we're talking about starting or restarting seasons this summer when the next season is supposed to be starting in the fall. So, yep. like, what's the functional difference of starting now versus starting three months from now? Because there's no indication that the U.S. is going to have the pandemic under control in three months. So why not start nope. it now with the least yeah. disruption to the future players?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I know the NBA has sort of said that they are tentatively, I mean, assuming, depending on how this all goes, planning on starting a shortened 2020-2021 season around Christmas. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, and the other thing about the million dollar salaries is like, you have to remember a lot of a lot of pro sports players don't play for very long. So yes, yeah, yeah you make a million dollars a year for three years. And yep, it's still like $3 million still sounds like a lot of money. But for the rest of us, we will make that much over time, <laughs> you know, right. over yeah. a 30 year career, you know, you might. Yeah. Um, so it's, Especially and then you get into like G League players and stuff like that who make a pittance. Um, Right. Right. So it's a problem. It's 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 a thing. Uh, One of the things that's been controversial about this uh, reopening of the NBA is that they're talking about giving them this very fancy high tech ring. That is supposed to monitor their health and mm-hmm. predict COVID nineteen symptoms up to three days in advance. Oh, and wow, course, I had not heard about this. Oh yeah, it is a fancy little doodad, and of course the immediate response is the NBA players get this, but health care. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is an entirely valid response. Um Hashtag
0: priorities. Mm, <laughs>
1: hashtag capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's the thing. But you originally asked me before I started rambling indefinitely no, about no, that's fine the division among the players about reopening. So I,
0: yeah, that's the part that I found the most fascinating because I, I know I said I wasn't going to talk about hockey, but apparently I can't help myself. Um, Please do. Like there's a there's a culture in hockey to go with the flow, to not be an outlier, to not mm-hmm. to like this mm-hmm. is your team, this is your role, you don't say anything outside of that um mm-hmm. thankfully other leagues the individual players are allowed to have much more of an individual voice though i wouldn't say that's necessarily across the board it's certainly going to depend by sport and person and all of that kind of stuff but
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: like no no uh, maybe there are like three hockey players who have come out to say this is stupid we shouldn't be doing this um right. everybody else is like well if i have to answer that question i'd like to do it anonymously Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm, so yeah. I find it fascinating that there is this very vocal, um, discussion, debate, whatever you want to call it between players of, of the NBA.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so I have not been following this super, this particular piece of the NBA reopening super closely, but my understanding is that the division was under sort of two different, two different lines, um, And the first was originally there was debate um, between folks who wanted to reopen because they felt like, you know, they're athletes and this is their job and this is what they should be doing and Mm -hmm. why not? Um, And folks who felt like, no, this is stupid, it's too dangerous. Um, And in that second group um, were also concerns about, like, you're going to take me away for three and a half months and lock me away from my family uh, mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. NBA is talking about being so very stringent about it. Uh, that is what the reality would be. Um, so that, that caused some feelings. But then I've also heard just recently that there are also some folks who don't want to restart because they feel it takes attention away from the social protests going on. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, interesting. And, yeah, yeah, which I do think is interesting. Well. Yeah, and, and uh, so I think that there are maybe... F- Four groups, of you know, like a Venn diagram. There's a Venn diagram of players, <laughs> you know, of players. Yeah, so some who want to reopen because, you know, maybe they're just bored out of their minds. Maybe they're, a, you know, low end player who can only count on two more years and needs to make as much money as they can. Um, versus the the stars who are you know have their Nike contracts or whatever and and you know are fine and don't yeah. you know are enjoying summer home with their kids <laughs> um, versus you know then the folks who don't want to reopen and take attention away from the protests uh, yeah it's complicated it's really complicated and I do think it's interesting that we're hearing about it because while the NBA certainly does allow for dissent in players will talk about things much, much more openly than the NHL, for example. There is still a sense of, you know, that what the big guys say matters, and you don't necessarily object to them too strenuously in public, Mm -hmm. especially if they're on your team. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I find it interesting that that's not necessarily holding true this time around, I, and mm-hmm. presumably just because these are really big issues um, that we haven't had to deal with before. So, yeah. What? So, so tell me what, what all you've heard. I wonder if your information is more up-to-date than mine is.
0: Well, so I was reading an article um, on CBS Sports that kind of um, outlined a, a handful of player stances. So Kyrie, mm. if I'm saying that right, Kyrie Irving.
1: Kyrie um, Irving, Yeah. So
0: he's the um, vice president of the NBA Players Association. So he he led a conference call like a week ago to talk about this. He's he said um, basically he said in the end, I'm willing to give up everything I have for social reform but at the same time he recognized that he's not the only voice and the only person in the league and he would support mm-hmm. other players if they decided that playing was the right thing to do and
1: mm-hmm.
0: i thought i i mean i thought that was an interesting stance right off the bat that like he's saying mm-hmm. this is my position but i also recognize that i re- represent a lot of other people and so if the majority wants to move forward we'll do that but it's almost like mm-hmm. he's saying I need to say this, no matter what. Um, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Kyrie so Irving is an interesting guy.
0: <laughs> who does he play for?
1: Uh, he was playing for the Celtics, but then he got injured, and I don't know if he's been played. Okay. I don't know if he had come back from recovery or not. I think okay. not, but I'm not sure. Okay. But yeah, he's an interesting guy. Uh, he, he was. Uh, oh, well, Brooklyn Nets. We won't Nets. get into Kyrie Irving. Brooklyn oh, he's Nets. playing for the Nets now. Okay. Yeah. All right. So he if got I traded had, from the Celtics. If I had
0: read that properly, I could have told you that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. All right.
0: Um, so, um, Dwight Howard, who plays for the Lakers, he said uh-huh. um, he agreed with Kyrie, basketball or entertainment isn't needed at this moment and will only be a distraction. Which, again, right. I, think See, is, I think is fascinating. Because I, yeah. I, I think at a certain point, they're right. That Part of the reason we've had the ability to do these protests and to focus so heavily on the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality against people of color is because of the pandemic, because 20 million or so people are unemployed right now, because there aren't sports going on. And so he's probably right that that bringing back sports is going to take some of the focus away from that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, and that's an interesting example, too, because Dwight Howard, if he's on the Lakers, he's on LeBron James's team. And last mm-hmm. I heard, LeBron James definitely wants to go forward with playing. Now, LeBron James may have changed his mind in the last couple of weeks, and I just haven't heard about it. I don't particularly follow him. But mm-hmm. last I had heard, he was totally gung-ho for let's let's play. Mm-hmm. Um well, so. so
0: there's, there's another guy who plays on the nets, Garrett Temple, who essentially is saying the, di- or not essentially, I will quote him actually, not just paraphrase. <laughs> the, the difference uh-huh. in the economic gap between white America and black America is astronomical. I can't in good conscience tell my brethren to throw away, throw away millions of dollars in order to create change that I don't see the direct impact of. So, um, right. So he and, and somebody else I saw were talking about the fact that, that professional sports, especially the NBA, give black people um, the opportunity to create generational wealth, which is one of the things that helps them fight systemic oppression. So again, I, I don't know the right answer, but I, I think it's fascinating that, that we're getting essentially two different sides of this within the same league mm-hmm. from from yeah. people who play together all the time.
1: Mhm. That is really interesting. Um and I'm trying to google here but my poor computer's internet is just struggling. Um <laughs> but what I wanted to find out was what's the percentage of black players in the NBA? Um, so if your internet is better up to this than mine is, please <laughs> go ahead. Um, but I'm gonna not at all go out on a limb and say that the number of black players in the NBA is much much higher than in the NHL or in in the MLB. Yeah. So, I would so the, say so.
0: In yeah, that is. I'm standing
1: right against the tree trunk. This is the, <laughs> in
0: 2015. Um, the NBA had 74.4 percent black players.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I mean you will definitely see you know the the starting five lineup frequently for many teams is all black mm-hmm. yeah. um, so it's yeah um yeah, so obviously this is a sort of social issue that the n b a is going to be deeply invested in as mm-hmm. opposed to uh some of the <laughs> uh, other <laughs> well, leagues and yeah. I kind
0: of wish I kind of wish the other leagues were taking uh like taking the the nba's perspective on things because it seems yeah. like in this particular time the nba is going to be the most representative of yeah. underrepresented minorities in sports and so right it's an it's an mm-hmm. opportunity to listen
1: yeah yeah it would be nice i wonder what fo- uh, football must fall between must be in between the nba and like the nhl that seems like i would guess football's half and half 68%. Right about that.
0: 68% black players in the NHL uh, NFL oh. in 2014.
1: Uh-huh. Mm. Okay, that's higher than I thought. Alright. Okay.
0: Yeah, as opposed to uh the NHL, which has thirty one teams and I think thirty-three black players.
1: Yeah, that sounds <laughs> right. Each team gets one.
0: <laughs> if you're lucky.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh to dodge into hockey briefly, that's been something interesting as well uh Evander Kane, who, as we've gone over on the pod before, we have complicated feelings about yep uh, has come out as a real leading voice. In the NHL on these issues, and to the San Jose Sharks' credit, they have supported him and backed him fully on this, mm-hmm. uh, including the captain of the team, Logan Couture, who has come out and you know voiced pretty pretty strong and pretty thoughtful support for Evander yes. Kane. Actually, as these things go, yes. Um, so, so um, I just not to rub it in or anything, but the Bay Area teams are doing pretty, <laughs> pretty good <laughs> on this. But of course, we live in an easy area for them to do that sort of thing. So you can't ignore that. The Bay Area is extremely racially diverse and extremely liberal, even in the areas that are less so. So it's not like any of these players are putting their career on the line or are, you know, doing anything that risky by doing these, which, you know, doesn't lessen the fact that they're doing it. You still have to get up off your couch and, and go do the thing. But it's yeah, it's and it surprised me than other places.
2: It surprised me that reading about the uh, the only uh, MLB player to have taken a knee during the national anthem, um, you know, he was
1: in Oakland, and he's still saying he's getting death threats. Yeah, that is surprising. I wonder um, if the baseball audience is just that much more conservative. Could certainly be.
0: <laughs> um, Jt Brown. Uh, who at the time played for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's one of our few mm-hmm. black players. Um, mm-hmm. He, he um, raised his fist during the national anthem um, mm-hmm. and got a lot of pushback for that. And that was, I want to say in 2017. So that was like three years ago. Um, but it was one of the first examples that I recall in hockey of anything I'm not going to say racially motivated because that's not the right phrasing. (laughs) Right. Um, right. Anything, um, speaking out about racial prejudice. um, And he was largely, I mean, he wasn't blackballed like Colin Kaepernick because he still has a career, a hockey career. He still plays. But um, he got called out a lot. um, And some of that I think was because of what he was doing but some of it was also just very basically because the nhl doesn't like people speaking out for themselves and causes that aren't like it's, you know children with cancer
2: yeah right
0: like right. un on un, 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 quote unquote uncontroversial um causes
1: yeah i i was gonna say it's so interesting to me the the cultural differences between the sports in these sorts of instances, because mm-hmm. the NHL does seem so much more sort of close ranks. Do not speak your mind. They the arm comes first. And the NBA is, is teams made up of individuals. And mm-hmm. even though there is that sense of like, particularly if you're a lower man on the totem pole, you don't go against the higher, you know, like the all-stars as much, but, but there's still not nearly the same level of secrecy or, or like, group think or or hush hush i don't think at all so Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting where does baseball fall on that rachel um i've
2: just been thinking about that uh somewhere in the middle um i mean i've seen uh i guess politically somewhere in the the middle closer to the nhl um but i have seen you know both with with Uh, Black Lives Matter and the the matter of the uh, pandemic in a reopening, Um, Mm -hmm. you know some some voices they're asking some of the you know better known players to give their thoughts on the reopening, Um, right? And they have been, you know, it's not been as much. um, What I've heard anyway has been, um, you know, hasn't been as much deferring to the teams or the leagues so much. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that, if that is changing Um, and with the incredibly contentious nature of the reopening plans, um, (laughs) it seems, I mean, it seems, you know, I don't know, compared to the other sports, I don't know, but it seems uh, there are a lot of grudges in baseball that are being played out through the reopening plan um, Hmm. in addition to the actual reopening. So,
1: I don't know Let's if that's causing. <laughs> uh, oh, you want me to get into that? I do want you to get into that.
2: Okay. Um, so I last reported on it when we recorded what a month ago now. <laughs> um, there hasn't been a whole really? lot of movement since then. Um, mm. and it's supposedly in negotiation, but it's not so much negotiation as One side saying one thing, one side saying the other thing. And they're not actually talking to each other. They're just kind of lobbing bricks (laughs) at this point. Um, So apparently there was um, an agreement on March 26th when everything Mm. was just kind of, you know, nobody knew quite where this was going. And it was apparent that they were going to have to postpone spring training at the very least. March Um, 26th? March 26th. March
1: 26th. So like yes. 13, thir- two weeks
0: after everything shut down.
2: Yes. Um, <laughs> there That's was an we'll agreement that, um, allowed it, it, kind of, a, so it allowed the owners agreed to pay full prorated salaries in as many games as possible. And, um, the union. So we got the the owners and the league on one side, and we got the the players and the players' union on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. the, un- the union allowed the owners to shorten the draft from forty rounds to five, and pay undrafted players as little as twenty thousand dollars a year. So that's wait. I'm yikes. sorry.
0: The draft is normally forty four zero rounds. Yes,
2: and they and shortened it to f- five. Five zero five. That's insane. Yes. Um, and oh as I'm you know, I'm not.
0: Poor children who thought they were going to be drafted to the league.
2: Yeah, sorry. Um, and I, I draft kind of falls under that that section of, of sports that I just kind of blank out on. Because oh, great, you know, so and so from Villanova is you know who? <laughs> okay, um, um, I'll start paying attention when he starts playing on the team. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, valid. But yeah, so. From 40 rounds to five, uh, one eighth of the the usual, um, and then to play undrafted players, you know, a a pittance. Um, So anyway, plans have been drawn up since then, but the owners keep trying to go back on that full prorated idea. Um, They've successively offered more and more. So, um, like Nancy was saying for, um, the WNBA, um, but because the season is so much longer, I guess, for the MLB, um, you know, Mm prorated sounded fairer. Um, so, you know, they would take their normal salary, divide it by the number of games, um, that would have been played and then multiply it by the number of games that are actually played. So that's what was agreed on to the first, the first time. And then mm-hmm. the owners came back and said, you know, no, you get 75% of your usual salary plus, you know, some of the the back end, which I guess is usually not a part of um, salary negotiations. And again, we're getting into things that I only marginally pay attention to here. <laughs> um, so it's me trying to learn about what usually goes on at a time where things are not uh, going on. But so essentially, the the two sides break down here, the owners and the MLB are saying the more games we play to empty stadiums, which, you know, is the only conversation at this point, the more money we lose. Right. Right. Um, And the season... Yes, we
1: should note that all of our current sports, anytime they're talking about coming back, they are talking about empty stadiums. There are no fans in any of this as of yet.
2: Okay. Um, All right. I should back up a little bit because I did prepare some background on this and I kind of went...
0: Backwards into this whole thing. I just uh, okay. also, I'm, I'm scrolling through a list of MLB owners, and so far I haven't come to one whose net worth is less than right. $600 million.
1: Yep. So this yep. is a thing because, just Rachel, I was going to ask you about this, and I forgot to ask you about this before we, we recorded, but I know that the A's owner, who is fucking rich, just like the rest of them, uh, apparently – I don't remember if it was laid off a whole lot of staff or or decided that he's not going to pay the minor league players or the farm teams or something like that. In any case, there was some major baseball decision related to the A's that had to do with money. And it was such a big deal that the A's owner, who I guess never comes out, came out and basically said, yeah, sorry about that, y'all. Still not going to pay you any more money. Times are real tough. Oh, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and it,
2: it gets into more economics than I am comfortable speaking to so because fair. baseball, as far as I can tell, kind of operates in the red. Like, mm. so some background. For years, owners have been claiming in the press that the industry isn't profitable. Mm. Um, and, but... Only one team, and that's Atlanta, has been transparent at all with its finances. And um there's a difference in the earnings of the league, which are relatively low, and mm-hmm. the value of the franchises, which is incredibly high, which you see any time anyone sells a team. And it goes for right. billions of dollars. Right. Um So there are economic forces at play here. That I'm not comfortable saying, you know. Sure. It, you know, it's not like these teams are, are the, even the owners are sitting on top of piles and piles and piles upon cash. Some of it is like hypothetical money. Okay. Sure. And I don't know how much of it.
0: Um, but yes. I've like, had a billion hypothetical dollars.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but obviously, people with a billion hypothetical dollars are. Way, way, way better off than someone with hundreds of thousands of real dollars right um, so that's that's kind of the background here. The owners have been saying poor me for a little while, but it's pretty disingenuous because owning a team is still a money making huge money maker even if you know the league itself is losing money. I don't understand how that happens. gonna put that out there, but that's kind of how it is. Also, it's important to know that the Players' Union's collective bargaining agreement with the league expires at the end of 2021. Mm. Um, Yeah. So that's, this is where, you know, some grudges that have been storing up are getting played out through this. Um, So like I said, the owners are coming into this um, quote unquote negotiation saying, the more games we play to an empty stadium, the more money we're going to lose. Right. the season absolutely must end by September 27th, in case of a fall COVID outbreak. But that—that's—that's that's kind of a cover. Like there is no way that they're that concerned about a fall
0: no. outbreak. Also, are so they, that are they thinking that that fall outbreak is going to be this so-called second wave? We're going to see
2: when we yeah, haven't actually already seeing.
0: Because we never, well, we never left the. We first never wave, right? went down from the yeah.
2: first way. Well, <laughs> right. Yeah, we kind of plateaued and then went up. So I don't yeah. know if that's a yeah. second. I don't know how to classify that. Stupidity. Stupid. That's how yes. you classify
1: that. Sheer incompetence is the other way it can be classified. Yeah.
2: And the players union is coming back with, well, you already agreed to, you know, full prorated salaries. Just tell us when and where to start and we'll start. That was the latest big update was the players union just coming back and said, you tell us when and where. And you may have noticed something in my uh, discussion of this so far, which is there is no real real life discussion whatsoever of how in the hell we're going to do this in any kind of safe manner. That seems to have gotten pushed to the wayside. They're still talking about yes. testing 10,000, know, running 10,000 tests a week with no thought of, okay, where are the tests going to come from? Where are these labs that are running the tests? What are we going to do if the tests come back positive? Um wow. Yeah. So it's, you know, reading about this is all kind of like, okay, well, that's interesting. However, what is this actually going to look like? They need some kind of spring training. And, uh, you know, I think, uh Rebecca, you mentioned Florida and Arizona uh NHL teams having to shut down because uh, the players are testing positive. Well, guess what? All of Florida and Arizona, where spring training yeah. is held, are, yeah, yeah, their numbers are skyrocketing right now because they're yeah, just going yeah. back to regular life because they're tired of the pandemic. Right. So... <laughs>
1: I'm sorry it's
0: just so absurd is, that we can say that is a sentence in,
1: and 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 a factual sentence no yeah, less. Yeah. And like
2: the thing nobody's talking about is that like at this point I guess people are just okay with thousands of people dying and like that's 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 fine. You know, we're bored of staying inside. Um mm-hmm.
0: it's not going to be me. I think that's like the perpetual American yeah. attitude is, well, it's right. not going to happen to right. me. Like,
1: yeah. We're a society of individualists. Right. Yeah. So, and it's so, it's just the flu anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: so right. I, and you know what, it occurs to me that this is a very like backward sentiment. So nothing bad is ever going to happen to me because that's just not what happens. But yes, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps and become a self-made bajillionaire. Right. Like, I know those aren't on the same plane, but they also feel like they're a little bit related.
1: But it, it, it stems from the same, same sick societal sense that we have of the primacy of the individual. Mm-hmm. What happens to me is more important than what happens to you. I don't God. need anybody else's help because I contain everything that I need to be successful. And also, I can't experience empathy for you because I don't care if your grandma dies of the flu because it's not my grandma. So, why, sh- you know, like it's, yeah, it's and all I don't even know to the they same. they get that
2: far because it's like- like no what i do doesn't
1: affect you what i do only affects me and there's
2: like even if we did implement all the stuff that some of the asian countries have we don't have this collectivist sense of like (laughs) what i do affects you no
1: No. right no we don't at all at all which is why we have stupid fucking conversations about whether or not anybody should be wearing masks because (laughs) it's the opposite
0: in fact where people say uh, your health is not more
1: important than my liberty. Right. Yeah. My right. convenience. Right. I hate yeah. people.
0: Have I mentioned that recently?
1: I hate people. Uh, I think the, the feeling is, is yeah. shared. And, oh, and yeah. another thing. My voice is just going to get
0: higher and higher until nobody hear me.
2: They're starting to find out that, you know, even if you have a mild case of COVID, there are serious long-term lung effects. So if we yeah. have these players going back you know, and playing, and oops, everybody gets COVID. Um, yep. Are we destroying their careers and their yes. health as well yes. in a long-term sense? Yeah, but
0: that doesn't matter because it's going to make people money
2: today, right? Right, yeah, right. And money today is more important than yes, disaster in the future
1: than anything. Yeah. Right. Deep breath, everyone. Guys, do we need to start like a socialist podcast? <laughs> we might. We might.
0: Maybe. That's if this is
1: accidentally turning into. I
0: know, right? Maybe this is like inevitable. The the Venn diagram of sports and socialism. (laughs) (laughs) So, what (laughs) radicalized
1: you?
2: Sports, man!
1: (laughs) The fucking National Hockey League. Oh, womp womp. Yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And there's also the dimension. I don't know how much this has gotten talked about. I'm sure it has, and I just haven't been paying attention in other sports leagues. But, like, baseball, once it comes back, will be our salvation. Like, we all need this. Our morale Uh, needs these, you know, healthy young boys playing on our TV. That sounded a lot weirder when it came out of my mouth (laughs) than I intended it to.
1: (laughs) Hashtag sports tweet. Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some of that too, but that's that's another podcast entirely. But like, you know, somehow this is going to make us all feel a whole lot better about ourselves. And
0: is it? Well, you, know, you know, I wonder if this is one of these things where I sometimes I feel like I'm I'm starting to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but because we like all are all the way now. to the top. Um but like I sometimes I wonder if the people who are saying that are the ones who want people glued to their televisions and not out protesting in the streets. So, well as
2: since mm, um, so um a, a, one notable voice was Mike Pence saying that I think you are absolutely correct.
1: <laughs> it goes all the yeah, way to the not top. A conspiracy at that point. Sure. <laughs> Joe if yeah, you feel so like that's...
0: leaping that name out that she just said that would be okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh Uh, Yeah, I don't know. So I mean, I think that also gets back to the individualism question, though, right? Like this desperate striving for normalcy. Yeah, right. We and it's the same thing that's like making people decide to not wear their masks and go back to grocery shopping every other day. and, And, you know, it's that sense of like, well, it's been three months and I'm over it, so I'm uh-huh. declaring that it's now normal, and declaring that it's now normal means that I get to watch sports on my TV, and fuck all y'all, because <sighs> yeah. this is my world and this is what I want. Um, and if we had some kind
2: of competent administration that had put any kind of planning whatsoever and used the three months that we bought them to do- <laughs> or put any kind of yeah, yeah plan or, or <laughs> test in place, it's just... What's that like?
0: So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and use my moderatorly powers to just pull us back in. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I, I okay, feel like, a, okay, I feel do like we could all, myself included, go off very <laughs> different paths. Mm. Um,
2: so I, I'm gonna I suggest- do have something to sum that point up. If you want me to just go ahead and wrap that yes, up,
0: go for it. Go for okay. it. Okay.
2: Um, and this is, I think Jeff uh, Passan with ESPN wrote, uh, I got a lot of good information from from his article, which I did already post on Twitter, um, that kind of broke down the reopening plan, but I, I really like this sentence. As much as MLB wanted to socialize the losses, it couldn't risk this outcome, like the current outcome, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. baseball is now the sport that reflects the confusion and division in the world rather than being the salve. Mm-hmm.
1: Well,
0: so, so that's what I, mean, I have to
2: say about that. Uh,
0: basketball is the American pastime, right? So the fact that it's following the leadership baseball. of the what did I say? Basketball. Oh, I meant baseball. Baseball is the American pastime. So the <laughs> the uh, MLB following the, the leadership or lack thereof of the country <laughs> yeah. kind of fits, right? Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. That's fair.
0: Well, I'm going to go ahead and suggest that, that we wrap up today with um, Rachel's unwritten rule of baseball so that we can... Pull this whole thing back together. He wants some actual sports on this sports podcast. What? Oh, well, we've done the socialism part. So let's get back to the sports part.
2: Okay. Okay. I, yeah, there, I don't even think there's socialism in this one. Um, Wow. Though we'll see. I wrote it like a week ago. All right. (laughs) So now let's all take a moment to remember baseball. That is (laughs) the one with two teams of nine players. Some of them have bats. Some of them have gloves. Okay, baseball, Got it. go. thank you. All right. Today's unwritten rule of baseball is go easy on batting relief pitchers. Okay. Now, this one applies specifically to National League teams, uh, though it might not apply to any teams if they give everyone the designated hitter, but that's another thing. So for right now, remember the biggest difference between the American and national leagues in baseball in the American league, the pitcher is replaced in the lineup by the designated hitter who does nothing Mm. else in the game, but hit right in the national league. On the other hand, the pitcher has to have a slot in the lineup. However, this doesn't mean that every pitcher actually gets up to the plate to hit starting pitchers do have to hit, or at least get up to bat without embarrassing themselves. Uh, Since they stay in the game for multiple innings and can't be put back in the game once they're pulled out, they almost always get up to bat once or twice per game, nearly always in the number nine slot to minimize this occurrence. Uh, Now, there are a few exceptions, but usually starting pitchers are expected to be pretty lousy hitters. (laughs) Relief pitchers, however, are barely expected to know which end of the bat to hold. (laughs) So they're the guys that come in in the later innings, usually not more than one or two innings each, though sometimes they only pitch against one or two batters. I won't go into the musical chair strategy of double substitutions that (laughs) keeps pitchers from having to get up to bat because it's boring and you don't care. But suffice it to say that managers are almost always able to shuffle the lineup around so that National League relief pitchers don't actually have to hit. Except, of course, when they do. Now, this usually only happens when games go into extra innings or, say, a team loses multiple players to injuries. Um, the manager might want to keep the relief pitcher in for the next inning in the field, even though it's the pitcher's turn to bat in between their pitching half innings. In that case, the relief pitcher must harken back to their schoolyard days before <laughs> they ascended into the cushy Shangri-La of the MLB bullpen.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so... Even novice baseball fans can spot these guys. They look like they'd rather be facing down a charging bowl than a fellow pitcher. Uh, Fortunately, the guy that they're facing is also a National League relief pitcher who is thinking there, but for the grace of the baseball gods, go I. Uh, True. (laughs) It's a matter of professional courtesy, much like that old joke about the lawyers swimming untroubled through the school of sharks.
1: Um,
2: Usually this means throwing nothing but fastballs, the thought being that they're unlikely to slip and hit the batter, who it's assumed isn't actually going to hit them anyway. And them's the rules.
0: That's hilarious. So, I have a question. Yes. So the so the batting order of a team, mm-hmm. can that change willy-nilly?
2: The official answer is no. The practical answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... No, there's slots and the slots stay the same. What happens in the National League is you swap out two players at one time. So, let's say the number 9 slot is coming up to bat in a in the later innings, so you mm-hmm. don't want your pitcher who's in the number 9 slot to hit. Yeah. But you don't want your new pitcher who's coming in to hit either, but the number 9 slot has to hit. So, you take out two players. You take out the pitcher and you take out, you know, one of the outfielders, one of the the infielders. And you substitute the new, let's say, infielder into the number nine slot. And the pitcher goes into the former infielder slot.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: So then, you know, the trouble comes when that infielder slot comes up and they, they do right. another double switch.
0: So so, that's, so theoretically, there's like player A through F correlate with hitter one through nine. Mm-hmm. But they can they can sub in and out. Okay.
2: Yes. Well, they can't sub back in once they've gone out.
0: Okay. Yes. Interesting. So, um if my team gets through hitter 5 mm-hmm. in one inning, does the next inning start with hitter 1 or hitter 6? Hitter 6. Okay. Yes. All right, that's that's kind of what I thought, but that that like bonus substitution thing I think I missed. Like I yeah. conceptually understand the designated hitter, but I don't I don't think I realized that there could be other substitutions and replacements along the way.
2: Yeah. And again, yeah, it depends on which either. league you watch. And I didn't really start paying attention to it until I taught myself how to, um, to keep score of the games, mm. um, which means your national league scorecard gets real messy real quick. Um, <laughs> which is like the only point in favor of the designated hitter for me, but <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Okay. Cause they're talking right, about cool.
0: getting, yeah.
2: giving everybody the DH.
0: We'll see. Now, do you think that'll just be for this weird season or do you think that'll be in perpetuity? I think
2: that if it ends up getting into the weird season, I think, you know, given that the 2021 collective bargaining agreement is up um, and that this has been a, a thing that the players have been pushing for for a long time. Um, I, I think, yeah, if it gets into the weird little half season, I think it'll go everywhere when okay. baseball comes back fully.
1: So I have a question I want you to answer for next time because I have to <laughs> sign off here pretty soon. Okay. Um, who, so I want to know more about this, this argument for and against having the designated hitter on both. Have we not gone leagues. into it? No, we, we've gone into the, to the concept of the designated hitter, but I'm curious, okay. like who wouldn't want this and like what the, what the argument is and if we go into that, like, and, and both both leagues get the designated hitter, what would the remaining differences be? And would they just, would there be a movement to just sort of, like, unite the leagues or do away with the differences or whatever? Yeah, we can get into that next time. Cool. One, happy one,
0: to... one league to rule them
2: all? Yeah. <laughs> I know, mean, sure, like, I don't think they'll sports. get rid of the leagues. I think they'll keep the names of the leagues but the, I think they'll be functionally similar, but that's, we'll get into that next time. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, that's great. That's a good idea to, to hit up for next time. Um, so for now, I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap us up here. Um, as ever, you can find us on um, Instagram at foul puck podcast. You can find us on, Twitter at Foul Puck Pod, Facebook Foul Puck Pod, and our website is FoulpuckPodcast.net. Correct. Um, yes, and, and thanks
2: to Joe for doing our editing, and uh, yes. thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our intro
0: music. That's perfect. Uh, and uh, we will talk to you next time. See you later. Bye.